Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without creating division in community. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I'm the care pastor here at Hill City, where we record this and every episode of the podcast. And I'm here, as always, with my co-host, team member, head pastor, let's be honest, (laughs) teaching pastor, John Wagler. Yes. John, how are you after all those honorifics? Um... I'm tired of wearing hoodies. You just want the warmth so bad. I just bad. want the warmth. <laughs> Give me the warmth. It, yeah, I wore shorts the other day. I was like, this is the way life should be. <laughs> Don't say that. That's how you end up in Florida. Well, yeah, that won't happen. I, <laughs> I do enjoy like the ability to wear a hoodie. Okay. You know, or yeah, actually you know my favorite weather is like shorts during the day, hoodie at night. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't even know anymore. I, because <laughs> I'm definitely sick of the cold. But like, I love a hoodie. It makes me feel safe. Yeah, um, I get that. I mean, I love wearing hoodies. But yeah. yeah, I guess I guess it's a different. But shorts and like my my crazy, uh, like print shirts that I've taken to these last few summers, like the Hawaiian print shirts, mm-hmm. make me feel free. So I guess it's I can either feel free or safe. Those are <laughs> those, those are, are two weather options. weather clothing options. Um. Well, today we are coming at you with an episode where we tackle something that surprisingly we've never talked about. <laughs> I guess, yeah. It seems like pretty rudimentary for the kind of podcast I we know. are, but um, we got an email way back in the summer um, from someone who um, was basically just asking the very simple question of like, how do you deal with violence in the Old Testament, I guess, really? Um, yeah. or like, like this, Why like, is God so mad? Yeah, why God so mad? Why so mad, bro? <laughs> why so mad? Uh, yeah, why does he seem to be uh, so loving and um, in Jesus and nonviolent uh, in Jesus mm-hmm. and so wrathful in, I don't know, Jacob, Job? Well, he doesn't technically do anything in Job. <laughs> he just allows things yeah. to happen. But you, yeah, there are like plenty of stories. Yeah, plenty of stories. Yeah. Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, so on and so forth. Um, so we're just going to simply chat about that. Um, I don't know that we have wildly different perspectives, but we probably have a little bit different takes. I know you've got some thoughts on it. And, um, so today we're going to talk about why was God seemingly so mad and wrath, mad, Mad. so mad. (laughs) He was so furious. He was so furious. (laughs) He stayed furious in the old Testament. And, um, and then Jesus comes along and is sort of a gentle shepherd in a lot of ways, though also can get pretty direct with people. Correct. But if we believe Jesus was in fact God and he could do crazy things like heal people Mm -hmm. and walk on water and these things, we could also, I guess, rightfully assume that like he could have cracked the earth open and swallowed a couple of people he didn't like. Could have been something. I mean, yeah. Could have done something wild. So um, we are going to chat about that. But before we do, we are going to do our new segment for 2022 where we talk about things that are getting on our nerves. Just getting on our nerves. And it's called Stay Furious. Somebody in my band recently suggested that I should, or no, actually it was our, uh, our friend Alex recently suggested that I should just surprise you with a live uh, version of the Stay <laughs> Furious. <laughs> Scare everybody. Um, so today I would like to talk. I'm going to start. Yeah, go Is ahead. okay? yeah. Uh, so this past Sunday, it would have been this past Sunday, we, uh, our friend Nicole Eunice mm-hmm. and, and also teaching pastor here at Hill City, um, spoke at, at Hill City and she brought up 
the Enneagram, which yes. some of you are very familiar with. I'm very familiar with it as an Enneagram coach here at, <laughs> at Hill City. And, uh, you know, it was just like really quick. It wasn't like the whole sermon or anything. She yeah. was just kind of talking about like different lies that we tell ourselves. And and she posted it on her Instagram. And, yo, people were coming. I feel like people were coming for her. It was not a million people. It was like four or five people. But their comments were really long. And I was just like, I mean, if you think it's witchcraft or you're upset about it or whatever, I get the symbol kind of looks like a pentagram yeah. and like all this stuff. That's cool, but like just coming at people on their Instagram seems crazy to me. Like, I don't know. It's just yeah. I I there's times it was like I was talking to my grandmother the other day and she was talking about how she's 92 years old. She wants me to read the purpose driven life with her, which I read it, mm-hmm. you know, a long time ago, but she wants me to reread the purpose driven life and um she wants me to uh watch uh Praise the Lord <laughs> on the, you know, like the, <laughs> the TV. Awesome. Yeah, which is like a beautiful thing. But yeah. I'm not going to come at her and be like, well, the theology is really yeah. bad. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not going to. But also, th- this whole thing about like, uh, like purity in origin of things, I, I guess, is a way it's... to put it. It's like jet engine fuel was invented by a literal Satanist who burned himself to death worshiping Satan. Did you know that? I did not Parsons, know that. he followed Aleister Crowley, who was like the father of like modern occultism, was a literal like Satan worshiper who did like sex magic and all this other crazy stuff and burned himself with his own jet fuel to death during a like infernal ritual. That's wow. not a conspiracy. I... That's a fact. Wow. His, yeah. uh, I don't think it was Alan Parsons. It was, uh, I can't remember his name. Last name's Parsons. Okay. And he's like, the f- he's the guy who invented jet fuel. So if you've flown on a jet, sorry. You agree with Satanism. It's from, it's from the devil. <laughs> it's directly from it's the from... devil. Inspired by the devil. That's crazy. I never heard that before. Yeah. That's one of the, that's like a very Matt. <laughs> 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 I told a friend of ours recently who, uh, we won't say any names, but he had an inside scoop on a very popular podcaster who is doing their next podcast mm. and it's going to be about Satanism. And I was like, well, <laughs> if he needs to talk to a pastor who knows a lot about heavy metal and Satanism, <laughs> give him my name. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> I, you know, I think people get amped up too often on the origin of certain things. Like I, I get, I get parts of it. Right. I do. I get the discussion and everything. Um, but you know, this stuff happens all the time. The shoot in the Bible. It's like when we're talking about like the entire book of Psalms in which, you know, most of it was written by David I'm like, that dude was all messed up and we don't throw away the Psalms. Yeah. You know, and so it doesn't justify any of the actions or whatever. But I do think maybe uh, you got to breathe a little bit here and there. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's like, like if Christianity in... Was was prone to well. First off, like, do you celebrate Easter? <laughs> like, I mean, like, sure. there's 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 this un part of of the gospel being inclusive is that we include different people. It doesn't make like yeah, y- you know. I'm sure most of us have heard the whole like, well, like Christmas is the solstice and Easter is uh, Ishtar and all that yeah. stuff. And that's all true to some extent, but it's like it doesn't. I don't understand why that makes it bad. Like, yeah. Christianity came into places, and in some places they oppressed the local people, and in some places they said, "Yeah, it seems like you already have a feast in place. We'll just like integrate into your thing." Mm-hmm. That seems nice. I mean, like, it, I yeah, don't, and I, don't, I think it's like, too, it's like the origin of stuff matters, right? Because like, if the origin of something keeps doing something later on, like, so if the origin of something was something devious, let's right. say, and then it became masked. I can't even like think of something that this would be the case. But yeah. like then like over time it's like, yeah, but this is how it started and it's still impacting this way. I 
we should look into things, yeah. you know, and see where it comes from and the heart of things. Cause there, there even sometimes when people who I listen to or I have, um, or I follow, you know, whatever they've said s- certain things that have come up, where's that from? And then you go back and you look to see where they got it from. And it does make you feel like, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can like get on board with that because of where it comes from. Right. You know, so I do understand yeah. the conversation. However, with the Enneagram, you know, there's so much good that has come out of it. And the reality of it as a tool for your life is, yeah, we're not saying it's like your soul. Yeah. It's not, you know it's, I mean? it's not as important as the Bible. It, yeah. I mean, like you can still be healthy without it. It's just a tool. Yeah, it's, like just, you can, it's just helpful. I don't know. It's, it's weird to me. It's also like if you go to worship on Sunday and all those little guitar pedals that your guitarist is using up on the worship, that stuff all stems from Led Zeppelin and those guys were straight up occultists. So <laughs> <laughs> it's already there. Just deal with it. Oh, man. So that's what makes me furious. Do you have any curiosities this week? Um, The automobile. Sorry, just, just cars? Just cars. Oh, yeah, you Here's had car what troubles. I yeah. did this week. I'd, so, you know, driving the kids to school, then all of a sudden the car just, like, when I'd begin to, like, accelerate and it would, you know, get into gear or whatever or shift down, it would just be like, yeah. and it would shake, and then it kept doing it the whole way to school and back. Has not done it since. Talked to a mechanic and, you know, I don't know. I, I might sell the car today. Just get rid of it. Well, it, I'm in like a stupid position now. Yeah. Because it's like if there is maybe something wrong with either my transmission or the computer, like that's thousands and thousands of dollars. And then my car is actually worth nothing after that. That's the worst. That's you know? the worst with doctors, too, where you're like, no, I'm telling you this thing's happening. Well, is it happening right now? No. Well, you have to like recreate the symptom. <laughs> and I'm just it's, like, I, I can't so do that. So I'm just like, but you know, I'm looking at car prices yesterday and I'm like, oh, this boy. is stupid. Now, yeah. granted, you get more for your car. You know, like, yeah. I don't know if it evens off or not, but like it. I don't think it does because we're just, trying to get rid of one of ours. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just it's frustrating because. But then I'm in a worse spot if I just keep it, and then something happens a month from now. Yeah, and then all of a sudden I'm calling AAA from the side of the road because my transmission just went. Yep. Then I'm in a way worse spot. Yeah, yeah, because even if if you put a brand new transmission in the thing, it only increases the value like minimally. Yeah. Yeah, so I like just you drive it up to CarMax and be like, "Oh, I just put a new transmission in." They're like, "Cool, whatever. What's the model?" I know. So, anyway, yeah, it's it's it's, it's the automobile, the automobile, mo, <laughs> mo moto, mo problems. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we are going to take a quick break, and then we are going to get into this discussion about why could it be that God seems so wrathful, and yet also so kind. Stick around. Y'all know we stay curious over here. All right, and we're back. So, John, yes, the easy one, easy softball one. today. <laughs> Just gonna lob it. You, you go ahead and answer it, Pastor. I'm shocked no one's talked about this for the last few thousand years. Yeah, it's weird that like no one's ever brought this <laughs> up. Um, so yeah, we kind of got, uh, or we, you know, we we got an email from someone. They had sent a um, a screenshot of somebody's Facebook or Twitter like update. And it was basically kind of a, it was a friend of theirs okay. who said something kind of flippant, I think intentionally sort of internet flippant. That was basically like, how are Christians supposed to care about babies so much about like God killed all the firstborn in uh, Egypt, something like that. Yeah. But our writer, you know, the person who emailed in was like, I know this is like overwrought and flippant, but like, I really don't know sometimes how to respond to this sort of idea that like, 
God killed all the firstborn or told Joshua to kill. Is it Joshua or Daniel like to kill all the the um, Joshua. Joshua to, to the Canaanites kill all the Canaanite you know men women and children and and but then also like this Jesus who tells us to love our enemies and and love our neighbors as ourselves. Um, so we talked about it and we we're like we've never talked about this on the podcast. Yeah. We talked about original sin, Adam, Job. We've talked about this stuff, but never this. Yes. So what Indeed. are your, yeah, what are your initial thoughts? I'm sure you've been asked this question before. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, there's there's so much to this question. I, On the front end, I would say, I think too often we read the Old Testament with the lens that God's angry mm. rather than reading the Old Testament with love and grace. Because mm-hmm. if you read the Old Testament, like how do you see love and grace rather than God's wrath? Right. It, it reads completely different. Yeah. Like you start seeing things contextually that are very, very different. And and it frames those moments that are hard, that whether it's violence or war or, you know, a genocide or whatever. Right. Um, it frames those moments very, very differently. You know, that um, you start seeing them in a way that's like, well, hold on a second. Look at all of these acts of grace and of love up until this point. And we see that like that's the character of God. And when we begin to see that peace and when something happens, you're like, well, he had to, mm-hmm. you know, he, he had to do something because, because the, at the crux of humanity is this sinful behavior, you know, and theological would be depravity mm-hmm. that, um, that like God had to step in and do something. Cause if he didn't, man, these people would have just kept, you know, doing something, you know? So even like with the story of the Canaanites, for instance, it's like, you know, he did give them 400 years. Yeah. That feels like a lot. Okay. Fair. (laughs) And so, and a lot of warnings and Mm -hmm. a lot of like, like options and opportunities to do something different. And, um, and to even with, uh, I also say just kind of Bible nerdum stuff. Um, even with that story in particular about the Canaanites, um, it says they wiped them all out, but it's actually not true because like a couple of chapters later, there's still Canaanites there. Right. So some of it's like, language mm-hmm. of like um you know like when uh like in a, in a basketball game if you beat some someone you know you know 62 to, to 14 you're like man we crushed them right like we 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 killed them it's like right. you didn't well you didn't really yeah. you know we <laughs> really yeah. do that you know or man man they didn't even score like no they did actually score you know like so so some of that language mm-hmm. is like hyperbole you know yeah. and um and figuring out like in those moments you know, why are they doing those things? Some of it's cultural. I think that's a piece to some of those stories as well that, you know, you, people just don't take in. Yeah, I think it's interesting that, um, well, first off, we read the Bible in a very post-enlightenment yes. view. We can't, we kind of can't. You can't help that. Help that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's this idea that there's like science and forensic facts, and then there's feelings and poetry. And the reality of it is, and this is true, like as somebody who's read other ancient, uh, like wisdom, scripture and stuff like that, this is true of all stuff written at that time. Like it's not just yeah. the Bible. Like if you read the Upanishads or you read uh, the Quran or or whatever, like the mixture of poetry and emotion and here's what happened it's not even mixed. It, it was never separated. So this idea that like, I feel victorious. So when I write down what happened today, it's going to be like, we crushed yes. them or we were crushed or, mm-hmm. or like we were, Oh God turned his face from us and we were utterly 
you know, destitute and, and you know, and yeah. like snakes came in and killed all of us or whatever, like your emotions and your detective skills or your your um, archival sort of like I'm I'm documenting this for posterity's sake. They weren't separate at the time. Yeah, because we just didn't have we this is before the age of like Plato, Socrates, like this was before the age of, of any sort of science or, or history. And that's not like a talk down. Like people were inventing things. I mean, they were inventing like metal and <laughs> wheels sure. and like, yeah. they were like geniuses, but just this idea of like cold calculating documentation of events or whatever, it just wasn't a thing. Yeah. Um, it, I don't, I haven't seen it in any like, anything pre-platonic yeah. um, that I've ever read um, or Socratic. So I, I think that's one thing to keep in mind. I think the other thing that's interesting to me that I re- only recently learned or, or like thought about is this idea that like, yeah, if you go into it with the presupposition that God is angry or vengeful or spiteful, you're going to read it a certain way. That concept is not new. Like people – have I would love your take on this if you have thoughts on it. We have this weird pre-programmed thing where we just like our resting state sometimes is to believe God is angry. You see that in non-Judeo-Christian, like Zeus was an angry guy. Yeah. Like there's just something about the human condition that we assume maybe because everything isn't perfect or because like storms happen, floods happen, death, you know, death happens. Or that we deserve something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like it's the, it's the resting state in, yeah. in the same way that like in some ways it's our resting state to think like I just need to eat and reproduce and that's it. And we have to sort of use our prefrontal cortex to understand that like, no relationships are a thing and food is good. And, and mm-hmm. you know, love is beautiful. And, you know, like, and, yeah. Um, so there's like something about a reptile brain that is just like, whatever's up there is mean. Yeah. And if we don't work against that, then we just step to the scriptures in a way that, really in a way that the Greeks stepped to everything. Like, yeah, I don't know. Zeus is just like not a good dude, but like we exist. So I guess we just have to be okay with that. Well, it taps in, you know, to when even the, the story of sin in Genesis three, it's a self deception of God's words, right? Or it's a deception of God's words. So I think that's been the story of humanity is like, do you really believe who God is or not? Yeah. Or do you, in your resting state, think he's angry, Mm -hmm. you know, or coming at you. And it's like when you begin to trust in God, you know that he's good mm-hmm. and that he's just. And like that's your resting place. You know, um, when you're not in a healthy spot with God, you're going to think on the, the other side. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of in a state of being deceived about who God is, whether that's self-induced or put on you by someone else and you kind of believe that or whatever. Right. And so, you know, when we get to kind of step into it, it's like, well, who is God, right? Like, and, and you know, one way... There are a couple of things with like scripture that I think are important when we tackle topics like this, because um, I was recently um, reading a commentary around just some Hebrew scripture and um, they were saying how like Hebrew and in particular the Torah was written um, to be confusing, meaning like they're not going to line up everything for us because who do we think we are? Do you know what I mean? Like we don't, like if we could just map it all out so easily with God, that and what's the point of God, you know, ultimately. And so part of why there's so many nuances and wondering within scripture and in particular in Hebrew, but you can do this in the New Testament as well. But in particular Hebrew is like, 
Well, it's because like it was never intended to be an exact science, you know, and to have like a certain formula that there has to be this wondering um, that's happened. You know, when uh, for old in the Old Testament, people didn't have a problem with God's wrath. That's what's mm. interesting. Yeah. And and I think I think you know, the reason is is because people saw God as the liberator hmm. in in the freeing of oppressed people. So even when you look back historically of um, actually the Bible Project is doing something on this right now, where they're talking about how the story of Exodus is the most referred to story. Yeah. And and it's because God freed people. He saved people. He um, hears the cries of the oppressed, right? He responds in wrath yeah. to an evil Pharaoh to free people that Pharaoh had, you know, enslaved. And so people saw God as, as liberating them. And so I actually think one of the problems in modern days, we don't actually see God as saving us from anything. Oh, okay. Talk and, more about that. And so when you don't, when you see when you use God as a, a fire insurance, let's mm-hmm. say, you know, for heaven, and you don't see him as actually delivering you yeah. from sin and delivering you from a life enslaved to like, you know, your sin mm-hmm. or delivering you um, from a less than life. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't see God in that way and what Christ did on that cross, then you're naturally going to be like, well, then God should do what I want, basically. Right. Right, because like, you almost yeah. treat him as an equal. Yeah, it kind of feels like we see him more as an anchor than as a sail. Yeah, right. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. like the good of God is that He keeps me. I can do anything, mm-hmm. um, but like He keeps me anchored instead of like, no, He's like He keeps me moving. Like yeah. it's freedom to to be yeah. in in the Lord. Yeah, it's like when you when you turn to someone and like, why are you a Christian? You're like, you, do you understand what He freed me from? Right. And gave me life in this way. Like that, that is a different way to approach God than saying like, well, I just, I didn't want to go to hell. Yeah, totally. Yeah. (laughs) Or or like, I don't know who I'd be with that. You know, like I would be the chief among sinners. Like I'm a, you know, I'm a potential, you don't know, I could be a whatever, you know, murderer if it wasn't, if Jesus hadn't saved me. It's like, is that what he saved like that's maybe what he saved you from, but like, what did he save you for? Yeah, like, just to not be a murderer. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. Like the, the way that we process this yeah. stuff is that's why like liberation theology, or like when you read um, uh, like um, uh, like spirituals, you know, yeah. from the slaves and stuff. Like it's all about freedom. It's all about liberation. Well, why is that? Because yeah. the God of Exodus, right? You know, where God names. You know, when his name comes out, you yeah. know, when he begins to describe, I actually have it here in Exodus 34, he he says, like, this is his character. Um, the Lord, uh, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, this is him speaking to mm-hmm. Moses, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty un- unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to third and fourth generation. There's a lot to that last part. Mm-hmm. But what you begin to see is the character of God isn't about wrath. It, it's about love and grace and forgiveness. However, yeah. because of that love, grace, and forgiveness of people, he does have to look and be angry at injustice. Mm-hmm. You know, like, why wouldn't we want God to be yeah. angry at injustice? Yeah. You know, it do, almost doesn't even make sense for us to think about it that way. Right. And I think also we we sort of 
try to put God in the box of, bear with me, we try to put God in the box of like Newtonian th- physics. Like there's an actor and then there's an acted upon, or there's like a, there's a cause and an effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways that might be true, but if you see God as like looking down at the Egyptians and being like, I'm going to kill all your babies versus God's wrath as I'm going to allow to happen what, you know, like God's wrath is almost just like, if you jump off a building, you're going to fall. And if you fall far enough, you're going to die. That is most of God's wrath. That, God's wrath letting is just people do what they physics. Yeah. <laughs> like just the laws of the universe yeah. are God's wrath. Like I've heard it said, and you may not agree it totally, but it's something that I've drawn a lot from. I, I've heard it said that we're not punished for our sins. We're punished by our sins. Like God is trying to liberate us from sin, not, because like he because if we don't he's going to give us like the the galactic spanking mm-hmm. it's like i'm trying to save you from your sins i'm not trying to punish you for doing this thing that i that i don't approve of you know sure like, um even yeah. even jesus and john says like i didn't come to judge you the word that i've spoken which is the word of god will be your judge and to me that just, again, that just means I'm just telling you the truth. And the truth is, if you do this, you're going to be miserable. Or mm-hmm. if you do that, you're going to hurt yourself. It's not God throwing you from the building. It's God inventing gravity so that when you jump, like, yes, you're going to fall and hurt yourself. But also, we don't float away into space. Like, yeah. It's just like the laws of reality are God's wrath yeah. in some ways. Yeah, we experience the realities of sin through people's actions, right? And then what God ends up doing, um, yeah, it's like... In scripture, God's wrath is like super nuanced. Yeah. Like you can't, it's like sometimes he allows just things to happen. Sometimes he speeds up destruction. Right. Sometimes he fixes something. And and he typically uses human agency, mm-hmm. you know, within all of that. But there are times where it just seems like God does step in in a way because he has to. Mm. And and when you think about, um, even from the, the sense of like when he has stepped in, it is... Um, he is answering the cries of oppressed people. Right. And so there is like a level to this thing. If God is just, which I I do believe that that's true and God is good, which I do believe that's true. Um, And in those moments where he does have to step in and it feels like story-wise, it feels like, whoa, that's a lot. Yeah. I have to take a step back and be like, well, hold on a second. Some grave injustice has happened. God has stepped in in some kind of way. But he's also just enough to figure out he's got the other side of that conversation mm. handled, yeah. you know, that we don't understand. Mm. What do you think about um, – so, like, it's funny. This is one of those things where when Rob Bell and Preston Sprinkle sort of agree on a thing, it's probably <laughs> something we're talking about. But, like, Preston talks about this a lot in his nonviolent stuff mm. um, of this idea that maybe there's a misconception by someone who wrote the Bible of what exactly God said. Have you ever heard this kind of yeah. argument of like, yeah, yeah. if we have a, if we have a Christus Victor or like a, a cross driven, um, what do you call it? Hermeneutic, which mm-hmm. is just like, how do you order the Bible in order of importance to discover God's character? If we have a Christological view of it, then Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God's character. Jesus is a nonviolent person. And so when Jacob, or I'm sorry, Joshua thinks that he heard God say, kill everyone, that one day it'll kind of, God will be like, that's not, 
I'm sorry that's what you heard, but that's not yeah. exactly what I said. What do you think about that kind of? I think it's an interesting take, and I and I do think that there's something to that um, that's very possible mm-hmm. um, in terms of maybe how things were written in Scripture and um, and maybe the um, – because you do see some instances in Scripture, uh, even with David and some of his battles, he says, the Lord said, but the back end of it wasn't like a godly like response, meaning like yeah. God wasn't blessing certain things, you mm-hmm. know? So so sometimes you do have to wonder a mm-hmm. little bit, are we just, when, when some of the things that we see and read, are we just experiencing their humanity in this? Mm-hmm. And that the end result of their humanity wasn't what they thought it was going to be, you yeah. know? But they still attributed some things to God, which we still do today. Like people be like, I prayed and I, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think we might be getting a picture sometimes into that. Um, however, I do th- also think that like God does respond in scripture in a way where sometimes it is the sword. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like so- sometimes he does have to step in and do something. Sometimes he does get Gideon to go in with a small army yeah. and does it and, and to have victory for some reason. So there, there is something to that piece of God's response. So that's why I couldn't, I remember hearing Preston talk about it and I can't fully get there yeah. because like there are some um, instances where uh, like you could see it differently. Um, let me, I'm going to bring up a, a, a passage actually that is kind of like brings both those things in together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually this story and it's a weird story in second Kings six where um, Elisha, he, he goes up, I don't know if you remember the story. He goes up to, to, to Bethel and some, some kids come out and they jeer him. They say, get out of here, Baldy. <laughs> no, I don't remember. You know? this one. Nope. <laughs> so some boys come out and he looked around him and, um, and, and what ends up happening is he looked at them and he calls down a curse in the name of the Lord. And then two bears come out of the woods and mauled for, four, you know, I, what I do mean? remember the bears. <laughs> All right. So, so it's a weird, weird story. What, what ends up happening is, um, some other things come about in the story and Elijah's praying and um, and, he's, and he says this in verse 10, he says, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may say, then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and that, um, and he looked and saw the hills of full horses and chariots fire, um, fire around, uh, all around Elisha. And then an enemy starts coming towards Elisha. Okay? okay. And so Elisha prays, strike the army with blindness. And so God does. Mm-hmm. And he strikes them with blindness. Now what that, ultimately looks like, right. you know, we don't know. Um, but then what ends up happening is Elijah says, uh, and then they enter the city. And so Elijah asks, like, we, should I kill them? Mm-hmm. Should I kill all of them? Right. So there's something even within that, that within God's people and God's prophets, like there was, there was something that they understood that sometimes like the enemy did have to be defeated mm-hmm. in like a, a swift, violent manner, so yeah. to speak for peace um and that was always temporary peace right. but it did seem like like occasionally that was that's why i can't fully yeah. get on on board with it though i i i do believe at the heart of it it is true okay. M- meaning like at the heart like i just think there just comes a point it's like in these stories like it just it gets to a point where where god had to do something or it gets to a point where it's like yeah something needs to get done you know um but god's response to elisha in this story is to make them a feast hmm so, so ultimately like what he ends up saying is like, I get it. Like you, you think violence is the answer and wrath is the answer, but really it's peace. So even when we see like, this is what, so when Jesus at the cross, right, is, is so such a big deal because, um, what we see is, um, sin, human action of violence, right. From, 
you know, the Roman government, um, the anger and vitriol of the, the, the Jews that were um, against, you know, Jesus at that point. They, they put him on, dis- on display on the cross for shame. So it's all the things that like are just awful about humanity are embodied on that cross. Um, the wrath, you know, even like the idea of the wrath of God, like on that cross um, with Jesus, Jesus absorbs all of that. But what also is happening at the same time is God's grace and love mm-hmm. and God's grace and love wins. Mm. You know, it, but those other things are still a reality. And so... I don't know. I think it's complicated. And um, now I am, I heavily am a nonviolent person. Mm-hmm. Like even like in discussion with people, we got to go do, because the truth is, is as I do think nonviolence works infinitely better. Yeah. <laughs> so just even like practically speaking. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I do think that part is complicated. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely lean more, like if it's a thing where somebody, you know, tells me I have to choose, which I don't know why that would ever be a thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would probably be more in the camp of like, there's something here we don't fully understand because, you know, at the end of the day, I believe Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God's character. Mm -hmm. And so as Jesus was, so God is, and thus there's some sort of disconnect between God's actual will, what God actually said and the slaughtering of any people. Yeah. But. You know, G.K. Chesterton, who's an amazing biblical scholar, theologian, um, he has this great quote where he says, a paradox is truth standing on its head to get our attention. So I always want to embrace the fact that, like, there's a paradox here, or Mm -hmm. there could be, this idea of, like, when I say, well, no, God can't possibly be this way because look at Jesus. Again, that's probably where I land ultimately. Sure. But always with the caveat that like it's maybe it's both. I don't know. Maybe there is some way that God is both of these things. Yeah. I don't it's not for me. I've always struggled with, you know, I I teach and I counsel and I believe myself very deeply in the idea of like non-dual thinking. Like not either or but both and. And so that my commitment to like that kind of thinking um, really sort of butts up against this idea that like, no, God can't possibly be that way because look at Jesus, because Mm -hmm. that is very either like either God's a monster or he's like Jesus. And so I'm always trying to leave room for like, the truth is there. And the reason we know is because it's a paradox. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's kind of like philosophy talk, but um that maybe I, I it's kind of like I kind of I, I I tend to land where Preston does on on some of that sure. stuff and Rob Bell and like other people yeah of um no there was a miscommunication God could not have really meant um you know truly like his true will for them to slaughter xyz yeah um or you know with the children of Egypt like that's the story um but we don't know that that's the archaeological fact also if that had happened I don't know. Like, definitely the Jews were liberated by God himself. The Israelites were liberated by God himself from Egypt. Yeah. Um, If we're going for like, okay, well, what's the archaeological facts here? Like, the record of all the firstborn dying is is questionable. Um, But that kind of then leads me to, we've talked about on the, you know, with the Adam episodes. I think ultimately I land on like, what's your like you kind of alluded to at the beginning, what's your purpose here? Like what's, what do you believe about God intrinsically and what are you meant to learn 
rather than are you meant to learn the historical facts of this time of the human experience Mm -hmm. or are you meant to learn something about the character of god so it's like you get to decide if your takeaway from the exodus story is god killed all the firstborn of egypt or is your takeaway god liberated people yeah from oppressors yeah and even in response so even think about this like you know I do like the way Preston talks about Preston Sprinkle talks about the difference between violence and nonviolence, mm-hmm. meaning that because um, even when he was here, like I, I we talked about this because I told him I said, listen, if someone comes after Lacey or my kids, I'm not going to be passive. Right. And we were having this conversation because he was like, I agree, because in like in defense or in that moment, mm-hmm. you're not you're not you aren't the one being violent. Right. You're defending. You're defending. Violence. You're being the protector, right. and there's a there's justice that you're doing right there. Mm-hmm. And God's, a, a, you know, mm-hmm. God's got to justice. So, I think we also have to frame certain things in in that as well. So even some of these stories is like, well, what is justice here? And right. what in in and if justice is, you know, this wiping out of the Canaanites right. because they had four hundred years, and because God gave them all these warnings, because and they just they just they themselves got to that point, mm-hmm. right? And so with the oppression of people and what was happening, if like God's like, this is justice and it's a swift thing that has to come in, then that is like a place where I would be like, that's not violence and that's not anger in the way that we think about it, right. you know? Um, but that's really like, a no, this is the just thing to happen here. And it sucks that it is, but in our fallen humanity, this is actually what justice looks like here. Mm-hmm. That That's... That's where I am with with that. Um, it's also difficult when people are like that's what I'm saying. Like when you know, like when the U.S. goes to war with, and I'm like, right. it don't yeah. do that because the comparison, the comp- the comparison of some of these things is like really hard to make. And um, because you know they were led by God, and it was yeah. you know there there were there's just so many differences. I would just be very careful in modern examples mm-hmm. of like referring to the Old Testament when it comes to war stuff. Yeah, also having to, this is a hill I'll die on, no pun intended, having to over having to overpower someone and stab them with a sword is a lot different than shooting them from 500 yards away. <laughs> or nuking them. Or nuking them yeah. or sending a drone or, I'm not saying that like soldiers don't go through crazy things and that they're not brave and like there's bombs, there's, I, there's all these different things. It's still dangerous and crazy. Yeah. But like we have to remember that we live in a post-nuclear era. Like, things are different now. Yeah. Just like they were different after the printing press. Just like they're different after the internet. War is different now. So when we talk about Bible and war, I would always encourage people to remember that it is very different now than it was. Yeah, and even the way that, you know, God's armies how they conducted themselves was just very different. And and I would also say this too, in this discussion of, you know, God also sets up like in Romans 13, when he talks about like the responsibility of governments and stuff. So some of this stuff is like, you know, governments are supposed to keep evil at bay. Like that's part of what governments are supposed to do. And, and so some of these things that we talk about with God's wrath and God's involvement and like God's anger, it's like, it's just, you have to hit pause for a second because there's there's so many nuanced angles to some of the stuff that you really have to invest in 
and being like, well, hold on, how am I really seeing this story? Or how am I approaching this? And what's my heart? And where do I see grace? And how do I see love? You know, like it's, it's all these things rather than just seeing it like in a black and white version of like, see, God's always mad, mm-hmm. you know, or what, you, you know, God's going to, you know, smite you if, if you, right. like, that's what he did in the Old Testament all right. the time. And I'm like, no, like, I, you know, it's funny when, whenever someone, I hear people say stuff all the time, like, yeah, like Judaism is a, is a, it's about the law. That's what I'm like. There is the law in Judaism, but the Old Testament is is very much about grace, mm-hmm. very much about grace, you know. And so, even the way that we approach some of this stuff is, is we've got to just be careful of how we approach even this conversation uh, about God, and an understanding that there are going to be some things that we we don't know and don't fully, um, can't fully comprehend. And I'll say this too: when we ever see God's anger in Scripture in the Old Testament. To always remember that anger is a secondary emotion, mm. and um, and so even when it does talk about God's anger, it's coming from something. God's responding to something. He's not just angry. He is looking at the sins and injustice of people and the cries of the oppressed, and He is doing something in response um, in that manner as well. And then even when you move to like, is is it different with Jesus later on? Yeah, there there are some. There are some differences in terms of like the feel and the reading of how we like see it. But again, even with Jesus, like he said some like really harsh things. Like he's, you know, there's also some difference in roles and everything too that you have to appreciate in the comparison of the two. So, yeah. Yeah. I was looking up this quote, um, which is not from the Bible, but to very on brand for me is from Indiana Jones. Um, But at the beginning of, of the last crusade he's like when he's teaching his class or whatever he says archaeology is the search for fact not truth if it's truth you're interested in dr tyree's philosophy class is right down the hall (laughs) i think that's a big thing for me with all of this is like are we looking for facts or are we looking for truth Mm -hmm. like these are stories it's not for us to determine if they are factually archaeologically Social all the ology correct it's for us to understand the only ology is the theology the the nature of god what are we drawing from the nature of god from this Mm -hmm. you know um trying to put yourself in the place of like our our role now for instance with what's going on in the ukraine i was reading you know we're trying to pray for for our brothers and sisters in ukraine and so I was just thinking about like ways we can pray. I was reading through Psalms and stuff. And, you know, in the Psalms, especially David, it's very like smite my enemies. But I can't help thinking about the pictures I've seen of like these young Russian boys that like don't want to be there. Like they're not like, (laughs) am I going to pray for that 17 year old kid who like clearly doesn't want to be there to get smote? You know, it's like, I feel like when we think about this stuff, our goal in the here and now is compassion and is, yeah, not dehumanizing other people, even if they are Taliban or Russian or whatever, um, and trying to love our enemies. That's what Jesus told us to do. That doesn't necessarily mean that we then, and I do this, this is a very the big, you know, Enneagram 4 thing, but like that doesn't mean that we that we are called to like empathize with people 5,000 years ago. Like, well, what about the like Canaanite soldier who didn't want to be there? I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm just trying to, 
I'm just trying to empathize with right now. The people who are actually alive right now that I know for a fact are suffering, not these people 5,000 years ago who maybe, I, I don't know, that I don't, I don't, there's so much I don't know about. There yeah. was no, there was no archaeology. There was no documentarian filmmaking. Like there, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And if, and if God is just, he, that if there was yeah. a Canaanite soldier that was like, I don't want to be here. Right. <laughs> like God figured that out. Right. You know, he, yeah, because he's just the takeaway from the story is not the particulars of that. It's God liberated his people or yeah. God. you know. Yeah, it's like we don't even know because, again, there were Canaanites after that. And, it, and we're using this as an example. Like there were there were Canaanites after that. And so I don't know, like maybe they got spared in some kind of way, yeah. you know, or or ultimately yeah. God figures that part out. And I know some of that doesn't feel right on our end, but it's like but to your point, there's also a piece to this that's kind of like, ah. But the truth of who God is is what deeply matters, you know, more. And and so even when you think about, because that story was brought up, I was just thinking about, you know, the person said like, oh, about the firstborn. Right. You know, and it is that they're talking about the Exodus story, which is like ironic, mm-hmm. you know, even like talking about us because it shows how you, you can view that story very differently. And even when you think about that story, it's like um, God warned Pharaoh repeatedly mm-hmm. and... Pharaoh hardened his heart even more and became more resolved to go against God. Mm-hmm. Right. And so God's like, don't do that or I'm telling you what's going to happen. But Pharaoh being so evil is like, no, essentially he's saying I'm God. You're not, mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I want. And God's like, well, you're not going to oppress people and have this level of injustice anymore. Right. And so he had to do something in the story to, mm-hmm. to enter in, to do it. And then with God's promises and compassion and everything, he saves the Israelites firstborn, right? right. And that's the story of Passover and, and everything else. And then leads to the exodus of people and the freedom of people and the and the reality of justice happening the way that it should. And so even like the way you can kind of, that person's tweet or that person's post, mm-hmm. but the reality of the story is very different than what they posted. Yeah. You know, so I think that that's important. Yeah. And I think my last thought is like, getting away from we've been talking about exodus and 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 kings and but even if you think about the binding of isaac um in our modern and and i'm not saying this is bad i think that this is good i'm glad that we've grown a lot but like in our modern context where we know things like child psychology and parenting tactics and all this other stuff when it's easy for us to hear the story of the binding of isaac and just be like why is God such a sadist? What a bad dad. Why would you let this guy think he's going to have to murder his son and then the last second? That's what we hear through our lens. But even a thousand years, I won't even say 5,000 years ago, a thousand years ago, it, like 500 years ago, you would have heard that and and thought, wow, God stopped the cycle of human sacrifice. Like <laughs> this was God putting a stake in the ground and saying, we don't sacrifice people anymore. Like, no more child sacrifice. Because remember, child sacrifice was happening regularly all around Abraham at the time. So they didn't what, – what another person in another time – it's a chronological snobbery thing – would take away from that story is not like, I can't believe the, like, trauma that he must have, you know, endured by thinking that he was going to have to sacrifice his son all the way up that mountain. And what about the poor goat? And, like, what – and, I, again, I'm not being flippant. I think it's good that we're there now that we do think about those things. I think about those things a lot. (laughs) But to think that like the way we think about it should have been how it went down is 
snobbery. I mean, like, is just yeah. is hubris. For sure. So that's my final thought. No, that's really good. Any closing thoughts? Uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, well, thanks, everybody, for joining us for this conversation. If you have questions, quips, comments, or quotes, you can email them to staycurious at hillcityrva.com. Uh, make sure to rate and review us and share the episode so others can get in on the conversation. And until next time, remember, as always, to stay curious.
curious. curious.